Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Super Bowl weekend um, and Party Friday. Party Friday, yeah. Okay. Boy. Chuck Bonnell, Julie Hayden, just straight up. That's right. Brought it's, to you by. For that Party Friday show is always brought to you by Mountain West Wellness Advanced Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine, HappyTrees.co, and Denver Cynogenics and Dr. Julie McCallan. Got a lot of stuff going on right now. So there to go, Leo. Party Friday. Representative Stephanie Luck is going to be joining us here in a second. She's at the legislature now, so sometimes they are scheduled gets kind of goofed up but yeah. we're, we're giving a holler up oh, we've got it with us right now All but right. at 3 30 um we also have a great guest coming up professor michael rechtenwald who kind of takes apart a fascinating article on he had on, on on the world economic forum essentially unraveling it and i read it and i'm like you know if you thought it was evil it's even more evil and he'll explain all that yeah but, but now we've got uh stephanie luck with us a representative um, one of the, I'd say maybe seven conservative left in the legislature, and that's probably being generous. Uh, so it's great to have her with us. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, how are you guys? We're good. good. We're good. So, Stephanie, I understand um, you have several bills coming up next week, and I think maybe a couple of things. One, I'd like to talk to you about those bills, um, and there's some other bills I want to talk to you about, too, some awful things the Democrats appear to be trying to do, but also to let folks know if they want to come testify in favor of your bills, how we can do that. So that's maybe sort of with, well, I'll, you. Which are the which are some of the ones that you want to talk about? Well, I do have... Personally, one bill that is up in committee next Friday it is a life bill. There are two other life bills that will be heard on that same day in the same committee. So if your listeners are interested in the life issue, that will be a day to make it up to Denver or to remotely testify, which is an option now as well. And then um, there's also a bill on Monday that Representative Brad and it is a bill to protect uh, women's sports for women. Okay. That's why you do that one first, just briefly. So is this, how would, how does it propose to do that? The bill is pretty straightforward. And I should say, actually, um, she is also joined by Rep. Frizzell, Lisa Frizzell okay. as a co-prime sponsor. Um, the two of them are presenting to committee the, the idea that K through 12 schools, as well as uh, intercollegiate entities would need to have a, a, sports team for biological women, a sports team for biological men, and then have the option of a co-ed team as well. But those are the, the three categories. And it's pretty straightforward. It, it preserves yeah. what many of us have understood about sports for at least a couple of decades and is in response to what we're seeing across the country, wherein biological men are are participating in biological female sports and thereby um, just by virtue of, of their physical composition, often winning and defeating those who are biologically women. And right. so it's a fairness question. It's a justice question. And so hopefully they will be able to persuade folks of the importance of preserving Title IX and the intention behind it and the fight that has taken place over the last hundred years 
for women to to have access to this type of opportunity. Okay. Okay. So as a practical matter, um, we're not going to hold our breath. Yeah, that the Dems I, I mean, <laughs> not only the Dems increased all their majorities after the last election, but the Republicans we've elected are, are except for people like you, except for people like you and, and some others. Um, pretty liberal. Uh, I know here in Adams County, we've got Gabe Evans, and he's our new Kevin Priola. Um, he's about as left wing as a Republican can get, but. Uh, so, but I guess you got to put out the yeah, good fight, don't you? Up. Yeah. Well, you know, girl can always hope. Hope springs eternal. <laughs> in all Talk to us about your life bills, because one of the things, and I'm hoping maybe that this is part of the strategy here too. One of the things that the Republicans really did do well last year, even though they were not able to prevail, but you guys were able to hold lengthy, like record setting hearings um, to get some attention to some of these life issues. So first, maybe talk about the bills that you're proposing. And then is that something that you are hoping to do this time around too? So the bill that I'm proposing is a bill that would require abortionists to administer a painkiller or sedative to an unborn child before the abortion procedure. Mm. Uh, the thought behind this bill, as, as horrendous as it is, is that if Colorado is going to legalize homicide of an entire class of people, the very least it can do as a state is make that, that practice humane to some degree. Uh, you know, it's it's barbaric what we are doing to these unborn children, whether that is ripping them limb from limb um, through dissection abortions or burning them from the inside out, poisoning them with a poison that takes between four and 48 hours to kill them, uh, at, at which time they're in excruciating pain and rising, kicking their, their mother's report, very severe kicking for, for hours on end. The very least we can do is relieve as much suffering as possible if we're going to continue to legalize homicide. Now, obviously, I don't want us as a state to legalize right. homicide. I want us to end that practice. But if, if we can diminish um, the suffering and and humanize the child, right, make it make folks yeah, aware yeah. That, that the child is is a person and does experience pain then perhaps some of our conversations on this well, topic will shift. I know that there's a doctor that I've been working with. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say here's, and here's the, 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 just the abhorrent thing about the whole thing. So they, we all know that babies, you know, do feel right. I mean, particularly, well, nerves, in everything else. particularly in Colorado where you can, you know, have an abortion up to the time of birth, you know, that baby, as soon as it's born, everyone knows that you can, it feels pain. It feels pain before and that. The fact that the, and they give the mother, right. Um, sedatives or something painkillers. The fact that the Democrats, for the sake of not allowing us to say, oh, that this is a, a person, right, would agree to have this child suffer just for their stupid and um, arrogant and evil philosophical, you know, you know, position. To me, that, that's abhorrent. That they would say, well, no, we can't give, we don't want to admit that the baby is alive or that the baby is a baby or that it's a human and feels pain. Therefore, we're going to allow it to suffer. And Stephanie, I think that's an excellent That bill. should be an interesting debate. Yeah, I want to see them argue why the baby should suffer. I mean, what has, has this gone on in other states? It has actually gone on in other states. And it's my understanding that Utah adopted this law a number of years ago. And so we'll, we will, we'll have an interesting conversation around this. I have um, 
a woman who has become a dear a dear friend of mine who is a prior abortionist. And when this bill was proposed in the state where she was performing abortion, she was the head of an OBGYN group that did did lobbying activities or would testify on bills like this. And so it crossed her desk and she she actually said she had a pause uh, in in her heart and, and was fearful, saying, oh, no, like, I never considered that the child would feel pain. What have I been doing? Now, unfortunately, at that time, the science wasn't as clear, and there were a number of studies that she found that suggested, well, maybe they don't actually feel pain. But that was over a decade ago, um, I think almost two decades, actually. And so the, the science has very well um, substantiated the idea that these children feel pain. And so hopefully, um, you know, we'll, we'll have others come to the same realization that she had started to come to about the humanity of the unborn. Well, and again, and considering particularly in Colorado, where, you know, we allow the late term abortions, and by that, I mean, up to the time of birth, right? That to just try to say that that child should suffer, should suffer, that that child doesn't feel pain. It's ludicrous. We all know the child feels, you can see it, right? I mean, of course, the child feels pain. Um, and I was, well, didn't even occur to me that they didn't do this. Right. I mean, I think that's a great bill stuff because I bet most people would assume that they do do something right to help the child, whether you, die. whether you agree with abortion or don't agree with abortion. I don't think anyone thinks that, that there should be suffering, physical pain. Oh, Democrats do. Well, yeah, they do. They like, they like to well, inflict pain. pain. Yeah. And and I will say, so I was pro-choice for a number of years, for most of all of my life, actually. And and it was through conversations like this where people presented probing questions that I didn't have answers to um, right. that caused a shift in my thinking. And so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this conversation will alter hearts and minds. You, you mentioned the 1279 debates from last year. That was right. the bill that legalized or codified abortion in Colorado. And during those debates, we did. We we lasted in the House for 24 hours. It, it was actually a 26-hour day for us, but the debate itself was 24 hours. It was historic. I, um, as far as I understand, there's no other debate that has ever been recorded to have gone so long. And some people characterized it as a filibuster. And I think filibusters are about wasting time. Right. And our intention in doing that debate wasn't to waste time. It was to put forth a compelling argument, a compelling case for why this was bad policy. And we really could have gone two or three or ten more days on laying out even just the cursory case for why this is a horrendous policy. And it's interesting because it didn't result in any changed votes. You know, the, the party, it was, it was party line. But I will tell you that there were conversations that were had off of the mic on the on the floor, you know, behind behind closed scenes, so to closed doors, so to speak, um, at our desks, wherein people were grappling with ideas and and points and issues that they had never considered before. I remember one colleague saying, "You know, I never got it. I never understood why you guys were against abortion, and now I start to see why you're against it. I may not agree with your analysis. I may not agree with the points you're making, but at least now I understand that you have something to stand on. That's huge. That's huge in a building where you have people who have been elected, many of them on this topic. This is one right. of the main 
things that get Democrats elected. And so for them to start to waver, even slightly, even to show a little crack in the armor to say, you know what, you're presenting ideas we had never thought of before is huge. And so I right. think that these conversations are essential to to keeping that conversation going. Uh, and not just for us, but for your audience and for right. for the, the the general public, many people who don't really give deep thought to this issue. Yeah. And I think that as more and more do, then their hearts are changed on the topic. I have to give you a little pushback on one thing you said. Um, every day, <laughs> every day that is wasted down at the Colorado legislature with the peasant, present progressives in charge, <laughs> it's a good day for the people <laughs> of Colorado. Waste more and more time. Waste the old session. If you didn't have a session at all, it would be a victory for the people. Understood. I, I wasn't trying to imply otherwise. Just saying that we were no. we weren't filibustering. We weren't quite a waste of time. We're, we're, we're just, <laughs> let me ask you this. On that note, though, because those are great bills, and please keep us posted. I mean, I'm sure the Democrats will kill them. But but like you said, I, it never occurred to me that they didn't administer some sort of pain, you know, pain stopping thing. Um, but some of the well, things I was reading. Just on that point, really quick, on that sure. point, when they're trying to save the child, they do in many right. instances. Oh, and when they're, they're brilliant, they, they do. Don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and at the same, at the same, whatever time, time in the pregnancy, yeah. right? It's, so, yeah, that's right. It's just crazy. Well, what about? I want to ask a couple other bills. That I saw good, good, uh, Donna's asking, "What's the uh, bill number and the legislator's name?" The legislator's name is Stephanie Luck, and the bill number is what, Stephanie? Oh, you know what? I don't actually know off the top of my hand, but I can look real quick. <laughs> okay. I know you have like, you have so many. Well, while you do that, let me ask you about this because I was reading a couple other things and I, I think the Democrats are just going to go unhinged this session. So I was reading where there are, they're putting forth bills that would number and, and their whole new, you know, great reset green agenda trying to destroy our lives. Number one, we're going to have to get rid of leaf blowers here yeah, in the next couple that. of years yeah. and lawnmowers because those are yeah. bad. And they are actually going to go ahead and try to ban games gas fireplaces and things like that. Do you have any information or hear any rumblings about some of those ridiculous bills? I'm pretty sure most of the bills all passed last session, if I remember correctly. I'm, I may, you know. No, okay. no, I think there was some new ones like, coming up. What about this bill? Okay. Um, I know that last year that was on the docket. Last year, the General Assembly looked at and voted on 657 bills, the 717 pieces of business. And so it's hard to keep track, but I do know that there were conversations about those ideas last year. And so I, I suspect that if they didn't pass last year, then, and they're bringing them back this year, then they're hopeful that they will pass this year. Right. Well, because oh, it's not an election yeah. year, right? So they don't have to, well, yeah. Well, I don't have to worry about election yeah, years either. They like, don't, you're harvest. You don't have to worry about anything. Right. Well, and it's some of those, the Green New Deal things. I mean, to me, it's like, you know, Bill Gates flying around in his private jet probably generates more whatever pollution than than a hundred million, maybe not a hundred million, but all the leaf blowers in Colorado, right? I mean, it's just so ridiculous. He's he's working hard for all of us. And I saw another one too. They're going to try the safe injection sites. It's not safe injection sites. It's heroin injection sites. I think they're going to push for that again, right? To allow cities to do it. What what other kinds of things? Well, I kind of wonder about that because they're a little behind the times. You know, nobody's shooting up these days. Mm. They're, they're, they're smoking up the fentanyl. Yeah. Uh, you know, heroin's too expensive. <laughs> so these safe injection sites will have nobody there because what they're really trying to do is smoke up the fentanyl. So they've got to get with the times. Well, those Democrats. Actually, 
actually, check fentanyl is on its way out. There are now two new drugs, um, one both of which I can't pronounce, uh, that have actually entered the scene and, and are the thing to do. So even even you are behind the times. The, the drug no, market. I can't stand being behind the so times. So quickly changing. No, I'm gonna have to talk no, to my no. druggy friends and say, why haven't you kept me abroad? <laughs> of of all the the ones that are even worse for you and will kill you quicker and. In some ways, they kind of go, that's not a bad deal. But what other kinds of things? I mean, you um, guys have just such a fight, Stephanie. And, you know, and thank you for doing it. I, yeah. Sometimes I got to think, how do you get up? Get up like, in the morning. Yeah, get up in the morning. I'll go introduce some bill. I'll get beat up, punched and slapped around by the Democrats. But what kinds of other things are you fighting for or fighting to try to stop that's going on this session? So, you know, uh, my my fight is on really good governance, life, liberty, and justice. Those narratives and helping people understand true definitions of those things. We throw those words around a lot, but we don't really define them. And so to try and help folks to better understand what does good governance look like? Does good governance look like passing or or reviewing 657 bills in roughly 84 days? I don't think so. I don't think that that is good governance. And so um, just generally speaking, the process that we use is flawed, is is broken, and we need correction on that. That's a bill that I'm going to be putting forward later this session um, on how we can restructure the General Assembly so as to allow for greater transparency and, and better governance. In terms of life, you know, there are life issues we're going to be seeing, not only our our bills, which advance life and protect life and, and speak to the culture that every life is valuable inherently. So you don't have to be someone or have a title or accomplish something in order to matter. You just matter because you exist. Unfortunately, there'll be other bills this session that give the alternate message and that allow for um, greater access to things like abortion and without, you know, the costs associated with it. We also have, you know, we need to reclaim the idea of liberty. There are a lot of good ideas out there about how to solve problems that our communities are facing, but not all of those ideas need to be implemented in state statute. Not all of those ideas are for the government to embrace. There are different entities in our culture, in our society that can embrace them and, and implement them. So we just saw the farm workers bill come through the ag committee and I voted no on that bill. That bill says that, um, Basically, farmers have the right to certain information from the manufacturers who manufacture their equipment, their big farm yeah. equipment. And I understand that this has been a problem over the years. Um, and, and many farmers say, hey, I bought this 100000 or $200,000 tractor and I can't get it fixed because I can't have access to certain codes since more and more of our equipment is electronic-based, computer-based yeah. instead of mechanically-based. And and so I, I understand that there's a real problem. And, Interestingly, though, the Farm Bureau has entered into a contract, uh, a memorandum, an MLU, really, with John Deere to provide almost everything that this bill contemplates, and they've already started to provide it. And that's a that's a private contractual arrangement that is much more flexible, much more fluid than state statute. And so the yeah. private entities are already solving this problem. Let's release them and encourage them to continue down that road instead of inserting ourselves and saying, here's a one-size-fits-all solution that doesn't really fit anything because we feel like we have to do something. And so re-examining what we mean by liberty as a society and, you know, hopefully giving a renaissance to our founder's idea of liberty and implementing that, which is limited government and 
then the ability of people to recognize that the government isn't your savior. You need to go out and you need to solve your own problems. As well, I, I, I hope you're you're not feeling too lonely down there. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> because yeah. I'm afraid there's so few in the legislature who would agree with those wonderful ideas. But uh, no, well, you're there. But and let me ask you about then. It, it's a Senate bill, I know, but Senate Bill 101, the one that would get rid of, essentially destroy caucuses, get rid of the the assembly process. Um, for, for proposed for, by Republicans, proposed uh, bizarrely, right by some trade Republicans. What are what is your sense on that? I mean, we 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 have been trying to kind of puzzle out. Is it? I mean, are they have they hooked up with the Democrats or the Democrats for it? Are the Democrats going to kill it? Or what's their ultimate motive? I mean, what can can you shed any light on where that's going down at the legislature? So, um, I, I would say that a number of Democrats are in opposition to that bill because they love caucus. And and I think, you know, all of us should love caucus and the Republican ideals that it displays. So it will be an interesting committee hearing. It will be an interesting conversation. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful it will die, honestly. And, and I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll definitely, if it gets to the house floor, there will definitely be a fight over it. Okay, good. Well, that'd be interesting. I guess was it Bradford, who's the Republican sponsor? Ben Kirkmeyer. Kirkmeyer, and good old Kirkmeyer, or up there in Adams County. So, uh, gee, thanks, Barb. We're glad you. <laughs> too bad you did in your congressional seats. You're down to the legislature and the on the JBC and elsewhere, destroying us. So, always, always love Barb Kirkmeyer. What's your sense, Stephanie? Of in terms of, the, I mean, this is sort of more of a general question, but. Um, you know, there's been at least a little bit of hope that the Democrats may be stopped from going overly crazy because Jared Polis, I think, wants to be president someday and maybe trying to rein him in. How? What's your sense of how Polis is getting along with the Democrats and the legislature? The and how, left, yeah, the, yeah, the far, yeah. How, how how is that working out, or do you have any sense of that? Do they not call you for the meetings? So there's now? a lot of scuttlebutt to substantiate what you're saying. Um, but scuttlebutt is gossip. So who knows really, except for those people who are engaged in those conversations. What I will say is that some of the gun bills that I was aware of, one in particular, not the assault weapons ban, but another one that I was uh, aware was supposed to drop the first week of session has yet to drop. And I suspect it has yet to drop because there are still ongoing negotiations around the policy because Governor Polis doesn't want to come out in opposition to his party. He doesn't want to be constantly right. using his veto pen. And yet he is walking a fine line. You know, he he campaigns so often as this libertarian, really, right. you know, more on the conservative <laughs> side. True. And so yeah. uh, if he wants to be the moderate candidate in 2024 for the presidency, he's going to need to to stymie some of the more progressive elements of the legislature. So we'll see what happens and how some of those those conversations go, but I do know that there are a few conversations behind the scenes on some pretty critical issues wherein he's saying, you know what, I, I can't support this. You need to find another way um, forward. Well, we'll see. We'll see that. Well, All right. Well, thank you so much for. Let me ask Doug, one more time. So if people want to come testify um, for your bills, how yeah. would they, can you maybe, I don't know if you're able to get the bill number. If not, we can figure it out later, but um, how, how can they find out? Where do they go? All of that information. Good question. Wonderful. So um, my bill is HB 23-1097. That's the painkiller abortion bill. Um, that will be heard with the other two life bills on 
Friday in the Health and Insurance Committee, in the House Health and Insurance Committee upon adjournment. So it could be in the morning or it could be in the afternoon. If next you want Friday? to come up to the Capitol, next Friday, the 17th. Okay. If, you, if people want to come up to the Capitol, they can do so, and and they'll be directed to the proper location. However, it, they don't have to anymore. We, we now have remote testimony, so if you go to the General Assembly's website, you go to the committees tab, there's a remote or um, a testimony page there to walk you through how you can sign up to testify. And perhaps, you know, you're just going to be out of pocket entirely that day, but you still want your voice heard. You can submit written testimony that gets added into the record, which is also helpful, even if many of my colleagues aren't able to read those informations. It does build the record and, and helps us to say, hey, the people of Colorado aren't position the way you think they are, because so often we're told the people of Colorado want these egregious, outlandish, extreme abortion bills and policies. And we we saw in the 1279 abortion debate that right. there were you know, people came six to one or seven to one to testify against that bill. And the more that we can demonstrate that the people of Colorado really aren't behind this policy, the better off that my my remarks are. Okay, perfect. Okay. All right. Well, Stephanie, Representative Stephanie Luck, thank you so much. Are you, you so going to be down at the uh, State Central Committee meeting in March? Um, yes, I will be in attendance. All, All right. right. We'll see you down we'll there. We'll see then. you there. All right, Stephanie, thank you so Take much. Care. Thank you for fighting the fight and thank getting you. up and doing it every day. Thank you so much. My okay, bye here bye. we go. Representative Stephanie Luck had a bunch of comments. We've got a few minutes before we call Dr. Um, Let's do our Super Bowl. Yeah. Um. Wait, that's okay. I thought Polis EO was in. Oh, oh, never. Okay, oh, you guys are having your own conversation over there too. Sandra says thank you. She's great. Yes, she. Um, and Dr. Donna says on Friday, assume the morning. That's correct, Dr. Donna. I think a lot of them like to go ahead and get out of here. Um, and get out of there on time. Well, yeah, we got a couple minutes before. Wanted to play. It's Party Friday, so we're not going to end. We're going to talk to um, Dr. Michael Reckenfield of the World Economic Forum. I mean, he's just great. But in the meantime, though, I did pull one of the Super Bowl ads. Um, for people who are listening to the podcast um, and not seeing it, everybody's naked. Okay, just envision everybody being naked in the ad. It's pretty funny. But Thomas, if we could go ahead and play the this this is this is for avocados from Mexico, the uh, Super Bowl ad, please. Steve? What's going on? I might have taken a small bite. Adam. Oh. Hey! Try this! Avocados from Mexico! They make everything better! Avocados from Mexico! Well, it's another perfect day in the big avocado! Traffic is smooth, as always. Yo, I love you! No, 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 I love you. <laughs> and in fashion news, naked continues to be all the rage. It's an avocado. But it's also a phone. You're right. Avocados from Mexico make everything better. Sweet liberty. Now that's a tourist attraction. Well, what's interesting in looking through the Super Bowl ads, it's pretty clear that that people are um that that, that they get the message that people do not want politics and they don't want oh, I'm there's sure no they do. cryptocurrency ads. It's all oh, oh no. They aren't doing anything like that. Interview him instead of because Biden won't do an interview. Apparently, they ought to get Sam Backman-Fried. He's out. He's going to do 
do some interview. I, I don't know. With like, I, I, I don't know. He's doing some kind of thing they're showing. But anyway, so I think hopefully we'll be free of horrible woke messaging, except for yeah. what God knows what Beyonce will do. Or um, what or what the NFL will do with the their Enzo. I mean, you yeah. know. <laughs> but some of the commercials, they were, um, they were kind of going back to, there was another one, um, you know, the John Travolta song, Tell Me More, Tell Me More. It's an AT&T one and John Travolta's in it. Um, so they have it's Pfizer to- advertising. Yeah, 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 Pfizer. There's- we'll kill you when you're in town for family. Take it, get before we get the booster, get the, get booster. the booster. Hey, and Thomas, if you want to go ahead and call um, Dr. Wild right now, we can go ahead and kind of do that too. Um, and then Leo says, um, everybody on Zoom here being naked would take a lot more than avocado toast to erase the memory. No offense. Anyway, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we do not want naked people on Zoom. We don't want any CNN, you know, tuber, what was Jeffrey Tubin? Tubin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having, it's like, having fun. Yeah. So, so Dr. Reckenfeld, um, when we get him, he, um, he, I want to ask him about this when he gets here, but you know, the World Economic Forum, you you tend to think, no, I mean, you kind of feel like QAnon or something like that, right? When you look at what they're doing. And then when you actually see what they're doing, it's like worse. I mean, I was trying to have this discussion the other day with somebody. They're like, no, Julie, you're crazy. I'm like, no, no, seriously. No, 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 no I'm not yeah, crazy. No, I'm not crazy. They support this. And it's just like astonishing. So we have him with us now, Dr. Michael um, Reckenwald, Professor Reckenwald, PhD, formerly professor of liberal studies and global studies at NYU. He's an author, got a great book explaining the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset, and has a, a great article, which is what I first read, Mastering the Future, the Megalo... I'm going to say this wrong. The Megalo, Megalomanical... Well, let him say it. Ambitions of the World Economic Forum. Hey, Dr. Uh, I, I it's great to have you on. I didn't think we were going to have an NYU professor that had taught um, liberalism <laughs> on, but uh, your students must have been shocked when you told them what liberalism <laughs> really was. Time this Friday... Yes, well, I mean, I I left NYU because the woke mob basically drove me out. But uh, uh, I'm now at I'm now at Hillsdale College as a distinguished scholar, and uh, but yeah, the Great Reset is uh, something that the minions at NYU would not uh, would not really understand or understand the danger of. Well, let's talk about it. Because like I said, you know, you before we got you on, I was saying a lot of times, you know, people look at you like all your conspiracy theorists, except all of conspiracy theories are coming true anymore. But but talk about the dangers of the World Economic Forum and this whole great reset, because I think a lot of people just don't appreciate it. Don't don't get it. Well, I mean, they they are aiming to control the entire world uh, economic system and the world uh, social and political systems as well. And uh, they're doing it in a very surreptitious fashion by ushering in what they're calling stakeholder capitalism, which is a backdoor way that that basically circumvents legislation. And instead of worrying about passing legislation, which they also intend to have passed, they're doing it by resetting the economy vis-a-vis corporations themselves and uh they are being they're very successful in doing this they have the world's largest corporations signed on to this platform of stakeholder capitalism and they're resetting the economy in terms of the environmental and social and governance index on the stock market and this is being foisted on us by 
the world's largest asset managers and banks and is being uh, conveyed by the world's largest corporations, which are all partners with the World Economic Forum. And uh, the agenda that the Great Reset brings about is Agenda 2030 of the UN, the UN's Agenda 2030 right. Sustainable right. Development Goals, right. Right. which is just a really double speak for what they have in mind, which is about, you know, really controlling the economy and controlling our behavior. Uh, they have a great deal uh, of behavioral control involved, and uh, they are trying to basically limit what we can consume, limit what can be produced, limit the use of fossil fuels, if not eliminate them entirely, and so on and so forth. Well, let me back uh, you up so, one second. And can you go ahead and define um, stakeholder capitalism? Because I think this is this is an important... Sounds nice. It's, yeah, it sounds like, well, well I, I like capitalism. And but stakeholder, yeah, the stakeholder should have, should have something. Should have a say. So can you explain why this is not so nice? Yes, I mean, so they use this term stakeholder capitalism to suggest that all stakeholders, you know, should have a part in what corporations or companies do. But it turns out that this isn't the people that are stakeholders are not the majority or any people that, you know, would really benefit or lose, stand to lose from some sort of corporate behavior. This really has to do with uh, bringing on the kinds of corporations who will abide by the dictates of the UN and the World Economic Forum and leave the rest behind. So, yeah. so stakeholder capitalism is a kind of, um, it's a cartel scheme, really, uh, that is about eliminating certain producers from the, from the economy entirely and directing all the capital toward the compliant and complicit corporations so that the others just wither on the vine. Now, uh, this is the kind of control that I'm talking about. This yeah. stakeholder capitalism, I've defined it as corporate socialism, as neo-feudalism, as economic fascism. It's all of these things at the same time. What about, I mean, talk a little bit about the food situation, because I thought in your column or your article, you, you I mean, I was like... Poor Belgian farmers. Right. I mean, yeah, we've been seeing farmers in Europe protesting as the government saying, yeah, like what, some 3,000, yeah, the farmers are going to have to lose their farms. They're like, oh, well, just too bad, too bad, so sad. Explain, and it's basically, am I right here, that the, the idea is to just allow a few massive corporations to control all of the food and the food supply and all of that, and then they'll start deciding who gets what food and who pays what prices. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. So they're in, they're, they're implementing these uh, sustainable de- uh, farming goals. So they want to eliminate nitrates from fertilizer, and they want to eliminate cattle to an extent so they are less uh, prone to uh, emit so-called greenhouse gases like methane and ammonia. Uh, so what they're doing in the Netherlands, for example, is the government actually is buying up farms. Uh, and it's not giving them a, uh, the farmers a choice as to whether they sell. They're buying them by fee, under feedlot conditions. They have this is mandated sale. It's eminent domain, as you as it were. Okay. And then they are taking these farms out of commission because yeah. they uh, they believe that the Netherlands is pr- producing too many greenhouse gases. Mm, so this oh, yeah. will this will cut agricultural output uh, to a great extent. It'll also cut all food supplies. 
This is the second largest exporter of food in the world behind the United States. So this will have dramatic impact on, on the food conditions of many people, leaving many people who are already insecure in terms of food, uh, hunger, hungry, and even could lead to famines if this rolls out any further. Well, they, were they, are they at all, uh, set back at all when they, the Sri Lankan government decided to adopt their, uh, program and it ended up with, with riots and, and everything else? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the kind of thing that could come about. So, yeah, Sri Lanka adopted the same sustainable farming practices, so-called. And as such, they eliminated all nitrate fertilizers. Yeah. And likewise, food production was dramatically reduced, leaving prices to rise dramatically, uh, causing food shortages and, and so forth. So it led to a total disaster. And this was, I think, a dry run to see how this would work across the world. And other countries are adopting these same kind of policies. Canada right now is aiming to reduce nitrates by 30%, which, again, will lead to food uh, insecurity. And uh, this is just what they have on the agenda. They, they want to get rid of so-called greenhouse gases at any cost, including cost, the cost of lives, the cost of food insecurity, and, in fact, uh, the livelihoods of farmers across the world. You know, when, when the, the left adopts a word it likes, it just kind of uses it time and time again. Uh, I've been involved in cities and city planning and sustainability. We have to have sustained yeah. growth, which just meant massive uh, apartment houses, no green space, everything else. And that was called sustainable growth. <laughs> Joe, that's sustainable, you see. Um, and then they said that that con job went over so well. They said, let's use that for the food one. It's sustainable food, simple farming. Yeah, it can mean whatever we want it to mean. It's a nice, uh, it's like gender affirming care. I mean, okay, child <laughs> mutilation, right. gender affirming care. I mean, just you got to give them, they got some great wordsmiths over at the on on the Marxist side of things. Oh, yes, they do. And they, they use double speak and euphemisms all the time. It's really one of the hardest tasks of writing this book was penetrating the jargon to see right. what, what, what these words really mean. As it turns out, sustainability is connected to population control and it's connected to reduction in consumption and production. Uh, that's what they mean by sustainable. So they want to cut production and consumption, especially in the developed world, and they're trying to thwart the development uh, in the in the developing world. So they're bribing them through uh, cash transfers, wealth transfers to the developing world, so that they don't develop. Uh, they do not want development. And what? population we, control is part of this. Do we know what the what the uh, um budget of of the world economic forum is it is it yeah well we know that they get their money from corporations they have a thousand corporate partners these are the world's largest corporations and the most successful in their various industries and they're also given money from the united nation uh, the united states u.s aid uh the u.s uh uh, a, 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 a association for international aid 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this is coming straight out of the taxpayer's uh, pocket. Oh, great. One of the so, stories I budget... one sorry. of the stories I read was was uh, the Alberta uh, province, Canada, um, went back and said, "No, we're not going to follow the COVID mandates of the central government here in Alberta. You don't need to have you don't need to have a vaccination card and some other things." And then they found their health department was enforcing. <laughs> vaccine cards and other things and they say what are you doing and the health department said oh we have our own contract with the world economic forum and they told us to do this um that didn't go over real well with the alberta government but it's amazing that the world economic forum is now dealing with health departments in alberta canada on a direct basis yeah absolutely i mean uh klaus schwab the, the chairman and founder of the world economic forum has boasted about penetrating uh, local governments, state governments, federal governments across the world and getting his people in place. And we have uh, contracts in the United States with the World Economic Forum as well. Uh, This is not very well known, but there is legislation that's been uh, proposed uh, in the last session uh, to defund Davos. Uh, It's the defund Davos bill. And I hope the current uh, Congress takes this up and passes it. What about going back to the food thing? Because I think that's something that people can get their head around. I don't for a second believe that they actually are so worried about carbon emissions and not, you know, nitrates Nitrates. and things like that, that they're like, well, people just have to starve. What is behind it all? Is it, I mean, is it the population control? I mean, you know, you hear weird things about Bill Gates, who now owns all of the farm in the United States. What are they really trying to do, do you think? Well, that's a great question, uh, Julie. So in the last uh, meeting of the World Economic Forum, they called the meeting cooperation in a fragmented world. So fragmentation, so-called, is what really threatens the global agenda. So what they're looking to do is consolidate wealth in the control, in the hands of those they deem worthy of controlling it. And so this is a vast consolidation scheme. It is a, a monopoly scheme. It is a, uh, the whole woke capitalism. Uh, all of this is a monopoly scheme to drive all the production and all the wealth into the hands of the few favored corporations and producers and out of the hands of others. So really, when it comes down to it, it's wealth consolidation. Okay. Well, what about That's that? another what, nice no, word. No, it's another okay. nice word. Fragmentation. That sounds awful, right? Uh, you, you don't want to be fragmented. Yeah. What a great word. Well, then, because I'm just suspicious about this, you know, the current food prices, grocery prices in the United States, right, have just like skyrocketed. Is part of that, and it's intentional, right? I mean, the Biden administration, obviously, their policies are, are creating it. And is part of that, do you yep. think, for for, peop- for them to have people say, well, my God, this is too expensive. And then the government can step in and say, we will control egg prices for you. I mean, does that, or am I being just crazy there? No, I think this is a part of the agenda. They want to control, uh, you know, pricing and they want to control distribution. They want to control just what we eat. And so what they're trying to do is drive up the prices of what they don't want us eating. Uh, that's why we'll see meat prices rising. We'll see egg prices rising. Uh, basically, anything that is based on uh, farming practices that they deem to be unsustainable. Yeah. So we're going to see a lot of that. And, uh, yeah, this is deliberate in order to change consumption patterns 
and and likewise uh, get rid of certain practices altogether. Well, who's fighting the world economic forum? Yeah, how do we fight them? Or if anybody is, yeah, yourself. Well, I've laid out a nine-point plan for individuals and families to fight this on their own. Okay. You don't necessarily need a centralized uh, opposition to the World Economic Forum. What we need is exactly what they despise, which is fragmentation or decentralization. We need to get their 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 puppet strings off of our bodies and off of our minds. And I've laid out a plan for doing that. Basically, we they're the puppeteers, and all we can do is cut the puppet strings from ourselves so that we are not controlled by their agenda. And so I have a nine-point plan for doing that. I don't think a centralized uh, operation like that proposed by Jordan Peterson to oppose the World Economic Forum is the way to go about this because we what we don't need is more centralized control. We right. need decentralization. Well, where, do, where can people see yeah, your nine-point Yeah, program? where can people, because I'm sure people will be like, I can do that, yeah. Yeah, it's all in my book, in the Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty, Unraveling the Global Agenda. Uh, it lays out a nine-point plan at the end of the book called The Grand Refusal. And if nothing else, we will be a remnant who are left over for liberty, for individual rights, for individual self-determination, and the free market. And I What's believe the, the, the free the market again? is biblically ordained. But you go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah, we'll give ahead. you a chance to say the book at the end here. Go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah, I mean the the free market is is biblically ordained as the way that we're supposed to practice our our economics uh, our economics in this world, and so we must remain a remnant of the free market that we can pass down to future generations. Well, and, you know, one of the scary things about it, the scariest thing I think about it is, like you said, these these corporations have united and they're pushing their woke stuff, their ESG stuff. Um, They force other corporations out. You look at what's going on with big tech and none of them are elected and none of them can be unelected then. Right. I mean, that's sort of the, you know, the evil beauty of their scheme. It's, you know, they're they They can't be held accountable, really. There's one way we can hold them accountable, and that's through the marketplace. Yes. And that is to divest from their uh, ESG-abiding and complying companies, divest from the ESG-abiding and complying uh, uh, banks, uh, getting out of uh, their technologies, which they aim to control us with, like central bank digital currencies and digital identity and, and, and on and on. So what we just have to do is refuse these things and uh, divest from their scheme. Okay. Well, final, final question. Yeah, well, no, go ahead and tell us the book name again and, and where you can get, get, get it. get it. Yes, it's The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty, Unraveling the Global Agenda. And it's available where books are sold, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, but also directly from me on my website at michaelrechtenwald.com. Uh, you bypass the big digital tyrant and get a signed copy. Let me just a final question before we let you go. Um, is there still time? I mean, are, is it? Are we doomed? Are we? You know, I mean, I'm assuming you, since you're putting out a plan, you think there are. But how close? How close are we to maybe going over the you know the point of no return, the tipping point? Uh, that, that's a great question. So they're trying to close the circle with 
of totalitarianism with, uh, you know, central bank digital currency and like what and other like technologies. But we, at the very least, we can resist this on our individual family level, community level, and survive into the future. So while their plans may be globally successful, we have the chance of evading what they're doing on a personal and individual level. All right. Well, great for coming on. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Very informative. Um, I have to have you back. Yes, sir. D- Dr. Michael Rechtenwald, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Th- Take care. Th- thanks for having me. Take All care. right. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and spell uh, his yeah. last name. So, yeah, just so folks, because he has, if you Google him before they, while they still let us Google things, um, it, his website comes up. It's Michael Rechtenwald, R-E-C-T-E-N-W-A-L-D. Um, yeah, and I really recommend, I mean, I went in there and I spent a ton of time on the reading it and I was like, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. No. <laughs> um, All good news, right? And, and Leo is like, since I had like $46 to my name, I'm sure me divesting will crush them. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> so yeah, once again, Dr. Uh, Dr. Donna, it's um, R-E-C-T-E-N-W-A-L-D, Michael Rechtenwald. And um, he's got, there's a ton of stuff in his book. It just looks fascinating. And he explains it really well. Like I said, he was tying in the food thing. And all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, they don't want the food prices to go down. I mean, you know, they do stories about, oh yeah, inflation, inflation. That's why Biden lies. It's like, they want it to go up. They want to control things. They want us to get used to not eating eggs, which I, you know, and, and I think they don't care if people go hungry or if people starve or their famines in other countries, you know, they, they don't care about that. Same with like, you know, that's why they they kind of push you. It seems like such a great idea to have free lunches for kids at school. Right. Well, but then they have contracts, the people who provide the free lunches and, you know, they aren't going to include meat or eggs or, I don't, I don't know if you saw the new one, but the um, Brookings Institute put out a list of the leading misinformation sites where you get misinformation. <laughs> and and we were hoping to make the list, but we didn't quite make it. The winner was Steve Bannon in the war room. That that won the misinformation award from Brookings, Brookings Institute, which means it's telling you more truth than it is. That becomes a thing. You know, I was talking with my daughter. She was like, how do you know? And I'm like, well, sometimes you can tell by, like you said, so if the Brookings Institute says it's a leading source of misinformation, Good. then you know that it's actually the leading source of information, right? right? I right. mean, so sometimes it, but I said, yeah, you know, people, we kind of pay attention anymore. Um, on Monday, we're going to have Dr. June Depp um, come on and he's going to talk about the whole died suddenly, sort of from a medical point of view. He's like, you know, he said, I don't know what's causing all of these people to die suddenly, but he's like, you'd think that somebody with the least amount of medical curiosity would say, maybe we should look into this because they're doing Pfizer Pfizer look into it. So, you know, you're all set and they'll publish the next, um, it's findings and next year's Grammys during the satanic (laughs) dance rituals. That's right. And it'll be all set. Actually, I can predict what they'll be. You're all fine. Anybody who's dropping dead, it's just weird coincidences and, and sad kind of things. But anyway, he's going to come on talking about yeah, be great. talking about dead suddenly. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend and uh, hope your your favorite team wins the Super Bowl. I oh, mean, right. I hate the NFL, but uh, I still enjoy football, so I'll be watching it. Um, but it, it'll it be, uh, I'm rooting for Kansas City, but who knows? If, yeah, we could see, it's just gonna, it's good. Julie roots whoever wins. I root for whoever's so winning. She waits and she, she cheers whoever's leading and then goes over. And when it's over, she, I knew it the whole time and that was my team. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, thank you to everybody on Zoom. Um, catch all of our shows at chuckandjulie.com. Thank you to the great guys at uh, BBS Radio and we will see you all on Monday. Take care, everybody. <laughs>